Rebuild of the favorites. We here for the latest. South side or the north side. Not tuned to the greatest. Home team for the home teams. Both sides got our own rings. On the mound or the long ball. But we don't put the wrong strings. Yeah. <laughs> it's that time of the year now. Wrigley or Gantees or the whole league that we here now. New show with a new move. Discussions and interviews. Trade rumors that might be. This is Pinwheels and Knife. Yeah. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on the boy, yeah. Every season they get all changed. Take me out to the bar game. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on the boy, yeah. Every season they get all changed. Take me out to the bar game. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on the boy, yeah. Every season. Welcome to the Pitwheels and Ivy Podcast. My name is Aldo Soto, and along with me today is Kevin Fiddler. What's up, Kevin? How are we doing, Aldo? Good to be back. It's it's draft week, post-All-Star. We are officially in the second half of the baseball season, so we're at the stretch run. It was such a... I mean, the last time we were on, obviously we were talking about like a long Cubs losing streak. Uh, and then, you know, first half ends with like Contreras calling out the team. And then we hit the all-star break. I was like in a shitty mood, uh, like up till like the home run derby. But then, you know, you start, you start just getting to that things that don't, you know, just, just good old fashioned fun. Seeing guys hit dingers, all-star game. Uh, but then we get the whole KB stuff during the all-star uh, game. Uh, you know, uh, honestly though. With uh, you know Joe Buck asking that, like all you all you saw for the past like couple days, you see all the videos of Chris Bryant's answer, and it's like as always, classiest fucking guy in the room. Nothing but love for Chris Bryant for the past week, so that's been great. Um, and I know we've talked about up and down like for the past couple of years, just the underappreciation, or just how underappreciated and the lack of like love and respect that you know uh, a player that. Of, of Brian's caliber should be getting from Cubs fans, and he just doesn't. But man, last last week you t- you tweet about you tweet about Chris Bryant, you tweet in support of Chris Bryant. Your your mentions are gonna be popping. Like the, I think Cubs fans like it's it's finally like hitting their face, or you know it's getting to that point. It's like oh wait, they might actually lose this guy. It's like wait, no, we do want him. And yeah, you know, you still get like the few stragglers who are like, oh, he's been, he hasn't been good since his MVP year, which is obviously every every single time that's tweeted, just it's proven wrong. Like, just look look at the numbers. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of uh, the past week, oh, and then obviously we had the draft. So I mean, I know there's a couple of freakouts, including maybe yourself, Kevin, uh, the Cubs' first round pick. Mm-hmm. But you know, at this point, draft time, it's like, hey, you know. You can be positive. You you don't know how these guys are going to be, but uh, so what do you want to start off with here, Kevin? Uh, I mean, we could go ahead and jump right. In. We can do a deep dive right in the draft. Um, Let's do it. Yeah. So I mean, so yeah. what I was going to ask you, just in general terms, did anything like stand out in terms of like what the Cubs did in terms of you know the strategy of going? Uh, you know, the, it seems like they went high floor first round and then like took a couple big like high reward or you know yeah like high reward high risk uh, picks. Uh, you know, uh, in the in the following rounds with some high school guys. So, what, anything stand out? 
Yeah. So, so for me, I mean, obviously the Jordan Wicks pick, I was actually knee jerk reaction. I was a tad, uh, I was a little bit, again, I, I think, I think it started with the comps that we were getting from a lot of people that were more familiar with, with Wicks, uh, Jordan Wicks comparing mm-hmm. him to Kyle Hendricks and, and a left-handed Kyle Hendricks is not a great, you know, it's a decent floor, I guess, but that's more of a, an exception to the rule. So seeing that he was compared to Kyle Hendricks, I was like, it's kind of a crapshoot for a first round, first overall pick. And now when you read the real comps um, and you read the more projections, you're seeing that he could really cap out at 95, not at 91, which is what they were saying. He throws like 88, 90. And I'm like, that, who drafts that? But now that you're saying right. he could he could be up to 95. Like, it's fine. I think for me, my more reaction was, I, you guys, I mean, we said on the show, I wanted the Troy Sweeney kid bad. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Yankees took him with the pick in, in, immediately ahead of the Cubs. And my second favorite pick of the draft for that spot was the, the Colin Montgomery kid who they passed on and took, of course, the White Sox took him with their pick and the White Sox got a really good ball player. And we'll talk about that later, but you know, that kind of was one of the, you know, it was kind of like an over knee jerk reaction on my part, but then you get deeper in the draft. Um, you know, they took the James Triantos kid, the kid who hit like 700 in high school, uh, his senior mm-hmm. year struck out like once in Virginia though. And so there's some, some questions of whether he's seen quality talent or not um, uh, and how he'll adjust to it. But, but he's a left-handed bat or no, he's a right-handed bat, excuse me, right-handed bat with, with, uh, he, he, he like when he was drafted, they had they had a picture of him up, and he looked like the kid from Ender's Game. He looked <laughs> so young, and it was like a gag because then the, then that same round, the White Sox drafted a big third baseman from a high school in Arizona, and he looked like he was like six foot five and about forty years old. So, <laughs> got like a great little combo. But actually, for me, the biggest pick that I think the Cubs made was in the fourth round. Franklin Christian yes. Franklin, uh, the Arkansas kid, he was a projected late first, early second rounder. Mm-hmm. Struggled a little bit with batting average. You know, his average struggled a little bit in this this twenty twenty one season, but. The kid is a, a a legitimate potential five tool guy if his contact comes back, and he is a f- great outfielder, a plus 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 power. He could be a 2020, 30, 30. and you can look at this guy. And I think the Cubs. That's probably for me of all the picks the Cubs made. Um, the Christian Franklin pick was a big one. He's you know obviously coming out of University of Arkansas. He's a more mature guy. He's a, you know he's a four year junior, um, so he's an older older more mature guy. He so he could develop faster. And little hiccups here and there with contact is, is probably minimal. I mean, you look at the Cubs. I mean, contact is not super. <laughs> it's, it's power. That's, and, that's definitely in need of improvement. Mm-hmm. And so, but that was a good one for me. I, I really, you know, I got a big, you know, I, they actually Cubs drafted two guys from Arkansas. Actually, they took a, the the uh, the catcher from Arkansas as well. Casey Ope, Ope, I don't know if I'm going to say this right. Opites or Opits. I don't know if I want to say I'll go with Opites first, but it could be Opits. And Ope. He has to earn the right to for us to pronounce his name right. We need Zoe in here. <laughs> right, right. And they did draft a guy in the 10th round that has two first names. So Peter Matt um, <laughs> out of Duke. So that was interesting. But, uh, you know, they did. They went they went with a, a low floor guy in the first, a lefty. If he pans out, great. They could be like a three or four in your rotation. And then the Santos kid, you never know. He's listed as the shortstop. They had him as a third baseman on, on some other thing. So um, the Wicks kid was ranked 16th head into the draft. So the Cubs got ahead of his at least projected rank. Um, the, the Triantos kid um, from Virginia. He was a 78th rank, but he came in at 56. So you're, you're, you're around there. And, and you know, in a baseball draft, as opposed to like uh, NFL or basketball, I mean, mm-hmm. the, the rankings are really more arbitrary than anything else. Um, when it comes down to it, it's less, it's more convoluted because there's so much more talent spread out over so yeah. many more distances. And then also with like those rankings, and then especially like when you go to like the high school guy, the high school guys, um, you know, you have to deal with like, well, you know, there's like the slot payments, like, you know, Hey, you're gonna have to go over slot on this guy. And hey, if he has like, if he's telling guys behind the scenes, like, no, I'm committing to this school, 
as like my fucking screen's going crazy right now. But uh, you know, it's it's gonna be like, oh, like maybe maybe I'm not gonna sign with you. So maybe that guy slides a couple picks. Um, but going back to the to the Cubs first round pick, Jordan Wicks, and like the you t- you brought up the velocity and you know the comps that you know. I think you you tweeted about like you know it's ridiculous to be making a you know the the Kyle Hendricks comp. It's like and you were right. Like Kyle Hendricks is like you know one in a million. Like he, you're not gonna get a whole bunch of guys who are gonna top out like at 87, 88 and dominate the way he has uh, for uh, what now seven years that he's been in the majors. Um, but I did say with uh, with Wicks being a lefty and like you know I think he was like sitting at you know low nineties, ninety one, ninety three, you know topping out like at ninety four, ninety five. But uh, I saw this pointed out uh, by a few people, you know, the Cubs have done for all the criticism and, you know, they've deserved it that you know, the lack of uh, developing pitching uh, in this, you know, era of the Cubs, the past few years, they've done a great job of getting guys in and, you know, upping their velocity. So yeah, maybe right now he's averaging 92, 93, but like in a year or two, you could definitely see him, a guy getting stronger and, you know, getting it up there 94, 95 consistently. So like, I, I never really worried about the whole velocity. It's like, Oh, he's only throwing like 91, 92. Why are you driving this guy? Um, and if you have like an elite pitch, okay. I, I, I know, you don't. I know no one wants to hear this, but you know, worst case scenario, you can put wicks like as a, I don't know, multi inning reliever. If you have, I, I always feel if you have an elite pitch, you can get by. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, it's like, can you get multiple pitches to become a reliable starter? That's a different story. And that's that's the, the big question mark with Wicks is, is he going to be able to miss barrels? You know, we live in a, a high-velocity contact era where it, guys that throw hard have a lot, are having a ton more success right now. But to me, you know, the secondary stuff that they talk about with Wicks is very impressive too. Um, mm-hmm. And so what he's bringing to the table in that sense as well is a benefit – because again, having a lefty that has—I mean, he, again—he he graded out as the best lefty in the draft. So the Cubs did get who the, the at least the hands down selection as the best left-handed pitcher in the yeah, draft. It's not like it's not like the Cubs went out there and just like took a yeah. guy who, like completely came out of left field, right? It's like what he's, were the Cubs doing there? And he's mature. I mean, he and he's got a good frame. He's six three two twenty. I mean, he could get bigger. He, I mean, like, there is room to grow in that frame. So that's you know, I, my I, I I'm. You know, I, I, for me, obviously, I was just so excited. I wanted to, try, try, I mean, it was like, it was a fantasy draft, like fantasy football draft over, over, all over again. It was that moment where you're like, <laughs> you have one more pick to go before it's you. And you think about the player, you, you're like, oh, hell yes. I'm going to get, you know, Ed McCaffrey with this pick. It's right, just right. sitting out there and you're like, oh shit, I said it out loud. I thought <laughs> it, put it out into the world. And then as soon as like that happens, the Yankees come in and take him. So I'm like, all right, my next guy is Montgomery. Can't miss on this one. And then they went Wicks. I'm like, Wicks who? And then, I mean, the White Sox, <laughs> their pick came in like almost instantaneous. Like, ha idiot. Like it was one of those moments like in the draft where, again, when you make a pick and then the guy after you immediately drafts, almost like they had him in like the applet, like in, in the in in the queue. And mm-hmm. they're like, Ding. oh, thank God they passed on that guy. And that's, <laughs> that was like a double red flag. So I was a little bit more, you know, I, I need your reaction. I think that was also the other, I mean, I don't know. It was tough, like, judging, like, the time. And I I, I remember I quote tweeted that one uh, tweet from Jeremy Warren. is like, I'm going to be pissed off about uh, my team not drafting this guy I just learned about. <laughs> um, and, I mean, obviously that was me. I, I mean, you're much more in tune to the guys coming up from, uh, from high school and college and, like, all the draft stuff. Um, but I think that kind of, like, for the Cubs fans who, like, may have been like, wait, 
because there was that tweet right before, like, you know, it was like five minutes before the, like, the announcement was made or the the tweet came out of who the Cubs were going to get. And it was like, you know, uh, Montgomery or the Cubs and White Sox are both interested in Montgomery. So obviously when the Cubs, like, pass on that guy and the White Sox immediately, it's like, you yeah, know, that's our guy. You know, Cubs fans are going to have, like, fucking, like, you know, flashbacks of like, oh, fuck, we're, we're going to, like, have to live this down, like, in five years when this guy's going to be, like, rookie of the year or something. But, uh uh, in terms of uh, actually, let's jump into one of these prospect-related uh, questions here uh, on Facebook from Dan Fisher. Uh, which prospect from the Padres trade is close to being ready for the majors? Sadly, none of them are really close. <laughs> like close, I guess we can use close as a relative. Uh, term close? Here. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like I think those guys, those guys are still like like three, four years away. And obviously, right now, there are two guys who are really. Um, you know, showing out. Uh, I think they're, I, they're playing in Arizona. I think they're down in like their. Yeah. I forget what they renamed it now, but it's uh, it's Reggie Preciado, Preciado, mm-hmm. right? I'm saying that right. Yeah. And then the left-handed bad Owen Casey. Casey there? actually probably been the most impressive. I think of all of mm-hmm. them so far. But he's also a man child. The yeah. dude, big bad ginger ninja. He's he. I read. Red. I read a recent thing on him. Uh, obviously, like he came in, and the thing on him was like big fucking guy, huge power. Uh, but the big thing with him as he's been playing uh, this summer has been, he's shown a great, great patience at the plate, which uh, that was a big thing. It's like, Oh, this guy is like, yeah, great power, but has a lot of swing and miss in his game. But apparently so far in the games that he's been playing down in Arizona, showing great patience. So that's his defense is getting good reviews too. His defense is, he's got a plus arm. Um, and he looks like a projectable future right fielder. If he can continue the progression at, at, as expected, what well, you would at least project a guy. They obviously got to play the games for a reason. But is, I mean, that's a that's a great projection. I mean, he's probably been that's probably the one I'd say that's closest. But twenty twenty four being that close, I think is. Yeah. The, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, three years away. That's you know relatively close in terms of uh, you know talking about our existence, right? About <laughs> these guys, and by the time they're ready, it'll, it'll be time for a new election, and it'll be. Just- <laughs> I did want to ask you, Kevin. I know we we you briefly brought it up last week. We were talking about you know guys to look for in the draft, and you and obviously you were on Sweeney, and you know you brought it up right now. We went one pick ahead of the Cubs uh, to the Yankees. So like, what was it about him? It's like, man, like I want this guy. So he's a he's a, obviously he's a middle he's a shortstop in college. You're talking about Sweeney, right? And so he um yes. he is obviously going to get would it be a guy that would be you know shifting over either to you know the two bagger spot or to a corner, um but. He has, you know, he has a very good contact bat. He has a very good eye. He took a lot of walks. Um, he's got some pop though too, and he's a left-handed bat. You know, it's 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 really nice to get a guy that's going to play, you know, a, a a right-hander's position, but comes out with a left-handed bat. I mean, that that's that's I love guys that have that that switchy um, where they're where they're the opposite of what they throw. Especially in his case, you never really want a left-handed throw that bats right-handed. That always sucks. But um, <laughs> you know, you have a, a right, you know, so he 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 splits that side of the the plate as well, and you know, so he has that. I mean, he's a mature bat, and I, I again, I I really and I've I, I've spoken to a few people that know about him, and, and they're really high on him um, as a, as a ball player, uh, as more than you know, as more than just a ball player, but as a guy that you know, when you, the intangibles, mental toughness, yeah. integrity, the kind of guys that aren't going to be a problem. You know, guys that are going to control their their emotions, guys that are going to put in the work, guys that aren't just pissing and, and sitting on their talent. You know, you want those kind of guys that have kind of worked their way there. And you know, he might have been a little bit small, um, but he's he, you know he he projects like a guy that you could really move around the infield and and really again. I, I think this is a I think it's not just KB setting some sort of new trend. I think this is the real trend. I think that 
that that more versatile players is the wave of the future here in Major League Baseball because it allows you flexibility with free agents. It allows you flexibility with rest days. It allows you flexibility over the of the grind. And so, it, and it, and of course, then again, it allows you to, if you have a player that you're negotiating with that plays a position, and this person can play it just as adequately, it gives you leverage in a negotiation with a, with a more of a, a superstar. So I think that you know, except when you have a superstar that plays five positions, then it makes it really difficult because there's really nothing there to argue. But limited players, it it, it it increases value. It increases flexibility with lineups too. So I, I like those types of guys, and he projects as one of those guys. Who knows? He could have you know with Sweeney, he could end up in the outfield for the Yankees. Who knows? Um, mm-hmm. But you know, I, I I just I had a I was a big fan of him, and then the Montgomery kid with the White Sox is just a freak. Yeah, freak. Like I wanted the freak show. I, I, I was here for it, and so I you know, I do have to, I do agree. I think uh, I think for most drafts, like talking about professional sports here, I think I'd always lean on the side of like just getting the talent over like uh, I, I'm not gonna say like Jordan like Wicks isn't gonna turn out to be anything, but like right. like he was like he was definitely the high floor guy. Like okay, like you kind of. Kind of get an idea of what you can get from him. Obviously, you're taking a high school shortstop or a high school kid. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, there could be high risk, high reward. But like, if if the talent is there, you know, maybe you maybe draft, you roll the dice on that. You want to draft on ability and like talent as a. You're, I'm very similar. You want I want talent over need. Mm-hmm. When you start yeah. drafting for need, you hogtie yourself. You you and you end up missing the rest of the board because you're like, I'm only looking for a left handed starter. So I'm going to ignore this freak show over here or this freak, you're going to, you're going to miss something. If you go into a draft yeah. thinking I've got to have this, I, I can't not draft this with my first pick. That's, that's dangerous. And so it's, it's short-sighted, I think, but you know, it sounds like they were really sold on this guy. I, 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 I do would love to know if Sweeney was like their first pick. Mm-hmm. And, and when Sweeney went, Wicks was like number two and they were like, all right, well, it, no problem. Let's go with Wicks. But yeah, I hope, I hope their draft strategy wasn't like mine, you know, talking about fantasy football. It's like, Oh shit, they took my guy and I'm just panicking. <laughs> uh, I, hope, <laughs> I hope that wasn't the case. Uh, but we have another we have another question here in the chat. And again, if you're listening to this on uh, either on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to on podcasts, we do uh, record uh, these podcasts live every Thursday night. Uh, and you can join the chat. Join the chat. You can you know ask questions, comment, keep it going with other people. Uh, but on Facebook from Brian Goodlow, what's the word on Ed Howard? Um, Ed Howard, obviously the Cubs first round pick from 2020 at Myrtle Beach um, uh, this season. Uh, still 19, first full professional season in the minors. Overall numbers, I mean, they don't look pretty. 220 batting average, 264 on base, only a 578 OPS. But in the month of July, he has been getting uh, he's been getting getting going here. Uh, and, you know, he's batting right now. He's, like, he's batting 324. I think the – oh, you shared his home run the other day or last night, I think, on Wednesday. A laser out to left. Um, so, you know, obviously he's only 19 <laughs> and I think, was it the case? He didn't play right. And tw- obviously they didn't play. In yeah, yeah, they yeah. didn't have a senior year. He hasn't played like, a, like organized games in like two years. In fact, what is today? The 15th. So yesterday, actually he was three for five with see here with a Jack couple RBIs and two runs scored. So he had six total bases. Mm-hmm. And then he's he's had two multi-hit games in his last three. So maybe, maybe. And- you know, he's been at, again, July in, uh, what is this now? Like 37 at-bats. He's batting 324. So Had a four-hit game on July 2nd. I mean. Yeah, no, slowly, slowly but surely. Yeah. Flashes. And that's what these younger guys do. I mean, again, you want them to be ready, but you can't rush them. And, and you'd hope that they would develop fast. But, again, with these guys, freak shows like uh, an Ed Howard um, or, you know, those types of guys. Uh, Christian Hernandez is also obviously – 
Yeah. Uh, I was probably the top prospect in the whole, whole organization, the international free agent they signed last year. And, or was it this year? Was it last year? Last year. Yeah, they technically this year. Technically yeah. this year. Yeah. And he's also, again, I mean, he, right now he looks like about 112 pounds soaking wet, but <laughs> yeah. the twitch is there. And so with those guys, the lights just, when the light turns on, the light turns on. Um, and it could be at age 20, it could be at age 24. Like you don't know. Um, but you just, you, you give them the amount of reps and the, and the instruction that they need to continue to grow. And Ed Howard was already a big guy. Mm-hmm. I, I, I pers- foresee him being ready when he's about 20, 21, probably 21. But we look at the Major League Baseball you know, cycle as it looks right now. How many 20-year-old kids are coming to fruition now at 20? And it's, like, it's the freak guys. It's not, it's, it's not even – it's no longer shocking because it's it's happening so frequently. Right. Like, 21 is not a weird age to say, is this kid going to make it? Because I think – I'm trying to think right now. I think the youngest that we've seen recently has been oh, – wait, how old is Wander Franco? Franco from the Rays because he was recently called up. And then, I mean, obviously there's Juan Soto who went from like double A – uh, like straight to the to the Nationals a few years ago. Uh, Kevin Rao is uh, had to be uh, whisked away here. Um, but I wanted to ask uh, Kevin when he comes back now, transitioning to the to the major league club. Uh, you know, obviously there's a long break after the Cubs. They had the shit show on Saturday against the Cardinals. You had Wilson Contreras calling out the team's effort. Uh, the next day, you know, the game got rained out. So. <laughs> So we didn't get like any immediate reactions from the players, but you know, Ross obviously didn't like it. I mean, honestly, I didn't like it either. I, that was bad luck. Um, but for now, I'm going to stay away from that for now. I mean, if Kevin wants to bring it up, uh, that's fine. But I want to ask Kevin, uh, transitioning to just, you know, players and you talk about Chris Bryant playing all the positions, you know, he made a comment about it. If, you know, if he can play one position, like just going forward in his career, it'd be center field thoughts on that. Kevin. <laughs> Yeah, everyone wants to play center field. <laughs> everybody <laughs> wants to be. Everybody, everybody wants to be Ken Griffey Jr. Doesn't I mean, mean let's face should, it. But no, well, well, like good, okay, he's been good out there, so he's fine. Objectively speaking, like aren't like these two coolest like positions like shortstop and center field? Yeah, you're, and you're the cool guy. You know, of course, yeah. you want to be the cool guy. Everyone <laughs> wants to play, when you're when, when you're playing pickup football with your buddies, who's who? How many? What do you fight over? People don't yeah, fight over. Who wants to be? Almost <laughs> fights over the dude snapping the football. They're like, no, not <laughs> the quarterback fine and you like gotta flip for it but no i i, I think he uh I, I you know and i'm glad that he does and he can play there on occasion but i think that he projects more as a left right fielder right fielder i think he you know with his with his glove his forehand side to the left center field gap allows him to cover the left field line he's got good quick feet for a big guy and he's got stretch so i think that you know you throw him out and left you get yourself an admiral and again you know we're, we're, we're talking about this stuff and you know we haven't even brought up brennan davis who who's looks That's to be right. the future of the center field position At the futures game Two um, home runs, wins the Features game, MVP. Incredible game. incredible day for him. Right. And so like a KB, you know, he's going to fit in where he needs to go. But yeah, I love the comment where he was just like, look, I I, I I fill the gaps. I fill the holes. Yeah. That's what I do. That's a good teammate. That's a good, and that's value. Um, so I liked how he answered the question. And, you know, we don't have to talk about the other stuff that we, you know, I was, we talked about earlier today. But I mean, the other kind of questions he was asked, it's, that's a personal taste thing. And he, you know, he, he answered his questions properly. He sold himself. He walked out of that game with a higher value, I think, at least as far as optics are concerned, by answering <laughs> questions. But he, uh, he he did a good job of explaining too. I just I uh, I think his ability to fill those gaps, and I don't think he's the only one. I mean, God, if Ian Happ was hitting, Ian Happ would be valuable as hell too, because Ian could play all three spots and play second, uh, play third, and and it's it, you know he's just not getting it together at the plate. And those kind of guys, God, how much they help a team when you had a guy that you just say, hey. So and so, you know, this guy's struggling today. Can you go cover this for a couple of days till he mm-hmm. gets right? No problem. 
and you fill the gap and you put in someone, you give somebody else an opportunity in another spot that might be stuck behind that position because there is somebody in a, a that's a, that's a good ball player in that role. They can slide in and get their opportunities. And, you know, I got, I mean, think the White Sox, I mean, does Andrew Vaughn even get a look this year if everybody's healthy? Yeah. And the question is no. And, and at that point, they were no, no way he's going to play left. He's actually done a really good job in left field for the White Sox. So um, sometimes you've got, you know, having guys like that allow you to see the breadth of your talent on your roster easier and allows the lineup, gives just such great uh, flexibility for for writing a lineup too. And so, I mean, that that was a great comment on him. And I, center field, though, I know he, <laughs> buddy, I love you to death. Mm, not every day. I, I mean, I think maybe this is just more of a indictment against Jason Hayward than anything, but like you've noticed when they did have to make that switch, uh, you know, when they had the outfield injuries, who was the guy that was put in center field at first? It wasn't Jason Hayward. It was yep. Chris Bryant. Mm-hmm. Um, and you brought up Ian Happ and uh, the struggles at the plate and uh, you, you brought him up the other day uh, in our chat, uh, you know, about, you know, a potential trade there for Happ. And, it, and I was thinking about it. It was like, we're getting a deja vu of guys just like torpedoing their value to like, now it's like Hap has like <laughs> the value is gone. You can't really get anything from right now. It's like, yeah, he's controlled for a few more years, but he's been brutal. It's 2019 sure. or no, 2019 Kyle Schwarber when we were on the <laughs> podcast and I'm like, we need to trade him now. Cause his value is <laughs> And everyone's like, no, no. And then, <laughs> and then they Don tendered him. So now Ian Happ last offseason, because he played 60 games and had a great 60 games, but 60 games and there's 100 more to go. And so in his case, high value. And then that, that would have been, again, another. These are moments now twice that the Cubs had a guy that was at a peak, maybe peak value for their entire career that they could have packaged with Jason Hayward's salary and balanced it out with a team willing to take on a little bit of that money to get rid of that contract with another player pack. Obviously it, Hayward's never going to go as a singular trade. Right. Never gonna happen. It's going to have to be packaged. You have to package it with somebody. And they've had twice now dudes at ma- possibly max career value. And uh, oops, they sat on their hands. And I mean, so- now, like individually speaking, like just like game by game at bat by at bat, uh, you know, Javi Baez, there's no other guy that has the highest of highs, lowest of lows. But if you look at Ian Happ, uh, you know, 2017 rookie year, fantastic. You know, I think he had like 24 home runs in four and a half months. He was amazing. 2018, you know, kind of he declined. He wasn't going to keep up that like a tremendous pace. 2019, he doesn't even start the year with the big league club. He doesn't get, yeah, he doesn't even get to the majors until the end of July. Uh, and, and credit to him, though. I mean, he spent those three and a half months uh, or four months uh, down in Iowa. And, hey, he, he did get better because when he came back, he had the, like the last two months in 2019, he was good. He had the incredible stretch. Uh, I mean, it was, honestly, it was more like uh, it was like a 30, 35 game period in 2020. But mm-hmm. since like since the beginning of September and then going into this season, it's been just downhill again. Yeah, uh, he's, that's frustrating. He's probably just drinking the wrong coffee. He probably just needs, right? <laughs> needs, needs a new blend of coffee, perhaps. Now, and again, people are going to give him guff because he did. He started doing a podcast and, and you know, he started logging on and, and getting a little bit more interactive. That has nothing to do with this. People have to understand these ball players have lives they're not at a batting cage 18 hours ever and the thing level. is and the thing is last year when he was raking like i mean he was still doing the podcast last year too so yeah um that's the funniest one. Oh no i just like to blame i blame the coffee yeah the coffee it's like the coffee. or the you know get a new start drinking a new rum new coffee yeah. something maybe, maybe go to starbucks for a couple of days <laughs> if the starbucks cracks you out of it but um you know and that sucks because ian Hap's a good dude man he's he is and it just you know you know something interesting i thought about ian Hap too you brought up those good seasons that he had Right. Um, he had a WRC plus of 114 and 
17, a 106 in 18, a 128 in 19, a 132 in 20, and a 78 this year. He actually has had, he's greeted out, you know, as far as run creation as an above average major league hitter. Here's Javi's, for example. And Javi, uh, you know, Javi's WRC plus 54, 97, 94, 98. And and the good, you know, that massive, you know, 2018, 131. And then 19, 114, and 20, 57. And this year, 107. I mean, Ian Happ technically has a better career. You know, he's been the consistent. You know why, though? Because he can walk. He walks. <laughs> he can How do, why do we like him? <laughs> See, I, 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 I yeah, that's a shout out to Jordan Lazowski, and like, who does it for a grand all. And I wish we could do it for the Cubs, but like, I, but Ian Happ just isn't slugging this year, so I can't even do that because he's slugging, he's slugging like in the three hundreds, which is awful. Um, and uh, I mean, you know that. And yes, I mean, I do want to get into like some of the trade rumor stuff. Um, I did like title this. I wanted to bring it up to you because I think you brought it up. You know, I forget what day it was, maybe Monday. Yeah. Jesse Rogers goes on the radio, drops a little nugget. And, you know, yes, sometimes we do shit on guys, including Jesse Rogers. But, hey, you got to give credit to the guy. The last couple times he's thrown out some, like, Cubs info, he's been right. You know, he I think he was one of the first few guys who was like, hey, look out for a U Darvis trade. It might happen while we're all thinking there's no fucking way. And I think, like, in less than two weeks – he was traded to the Padres. Um, and he dropped this nugget on Monday, which was, you know, he's obviously at the All-Star game. Whatever he's hearing, whoever he's talking to, the GM, scouts, whatever, he doesn't – I think he said that he doesn't think any of Rizzo, uh, Bryant, or Baez are going to be traded at the deadline. Yeah, I mean, which is – it's a 180 for him um, simply because we – I mean, yeah, Jesse Rogers is not someone with a small ego by any chance, and it's hard to <laughs> – that you were wrong and he's openly said that he's changed his prediction like there's some weight to that i don't i don't you know john Heyman or jeff passit passing or like any of these national guys bob nightingale for god's sake ugh. but you know those guys aren't on the ground level they're not hearing everything in the hallways they're not hearing every creak and every door slam and so for someone like uh you know jesse rogers to to come out and say something like that where he does believe that they're all staying put and that this isn't going to happen is very telling um, to me. You, know, you can read whatever tea leaves you want to, but that one to me, that's like, I mean, honestly, that's like to tell, to, to admit publicly that you're changing your position in this day and age is hard. Let's be honest. Cause people are like, well, you still said it. Well, yeah, I didn't. I was wrong. And you got to say I was wrong. At eight, it is, I've always said, I have no clue why people have such a hard time saying I was wrong. <laughs> and I think it's concerned too, that the people are like, well, you didn't, you said it this before. I'm like, yeah, no, yeah. I, I said I was wrong. And now you got to now for the next 10 years, you got to keep explaining to people that pull up tweets from 2017, ignoring <laughs> your, you know, comment from 2021. So it, you know, it's, 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 that's kind of the hard part, but that was a pretty interesting thing. And I've, you know, we've talked about it on the show. I do believe that the best option forward in this situation is to extend a qualifying offer to all three. They can take it. If Rizzo takes it, great. You know what? That's, I mean, I think at this point, I think, I, I think he's going to be begging Rizzo, for that. Qualifying. Yeah. I would, and I would take Rizzo for that qualifying offer because they owe him a couple bucks anyway for him taking the pay cut last time. That's not a that's not a loss for that. That's that's called respecting a guy. But you know, I think Javi and KB can extend the Q offer and go into this if they don't sign. And again, there's so much time in between in that offseason, letting them, you know, letting things kind of me- mellow out a little bit and actually getting into it. You know, no more trade rumors for KB and Javi at this point. They get to enjoy their offseason going, I get to choose my destiny at that point. And and Rizzo too, possibly at that point. 
And, you know, with those guys, I think that if you don't sign them, and I think I think they're very signable, all, both of them. I don't know how long you want Javi as, a, as, you know, do you want Javi long-term or not? But I think they're signable, and I think there's other shortstop options on the market. Yeah. There's only one KB on the market. But right. if you get those, if you don't land them, you know, look at the draft this year. Look at look at the comp round draft this year for everybody in the Cubs market. Now, if the Cubs were a poor team, you know, as much as Tom Ricketts pretended they're <laughs> They don't get the draft in the poor part of the which is the right after the first round. <laughs> they get the rich, they get the rich people comp pick. But if you look at the numbers and the, and the guys that were selected in the comp picks in that round, I mean, you're talking about a guy. I mean, obviously the Pirates got a in in the Pirates they got a guy the ninth ranked prospect in in that first comp pick round. But mm-hmm. you're looking at guys the sixty fourth, the sixty fifth pick. The Orioles landed, you know, or well, let's see here, like the sixty seventh pick. The, you know, the Diamondbacks took a kid that was ranked 42nd with the 69th pick, a dude ranked 45th. You've got these guys that are falling in the next year's going to be even more loaded. You've got a lot of options. And if you get two picks in that comp pick round, I mean, I'm, I, I personally would prefer comp picks over mid to low level talent that's been in an organization for one, two years and, and have, has been bad. Like, I don't want a kid that's hitting 180 that was supposed to be good one day. I, I'd rather have the Cubs go pick their guy and say, I'd rather get a top. You know, immediately you draft a dude in the third. In essence, what's like the the sixty fourth through the seventy first pick or whatever? Those mm. dudes should should become one of the top fifteen players in your in your system if you're doing it pretty pretty well. So I think you have a better shot of getting more elite talent with 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 those comp picks as opposed to you know trading for people that may you know a twenty year old kid that's been in an organization for two years and has just struggled. Yeah. You know, doesn't mean they're done, but it just I I, I don't feel like the risk is worth it when you're going to talk about those guys because the risk for me. I'd rather take a risk and maybe sign those guys and get the comp picks than trade those guys and they're gone for good. Because it's mm-hmm. anybody this the old maybe they'll pull a Araldus Chapman and the Cubs will trade him and then they'll come back. I'm telling you right now, you put KB in a suitcase for the next two months, two and a half months, and make him leave his family for the next two and a half months with his young guy Kyler, you know, just growing up. He ain't coming back. It's over. It's done. That, that that's the that's the nail in the coffin. And maybe Javi would do it, but I think that Javi, that I, I just don't, I don't know how Javi, I, I don't know Javi's mindset. I do know that he's got a family too. And that's a disruption to the utmost. And he's got a, I think Javi's kids, little guys younger than, younger than Kyler. Yeah, is. I think he has, he has two. And I think one of them, his second was born this year. I think, I right. think. Yeah. So um, that, that's a pipe dream. When anyone throws that out there, I'm like, God, yeah, I know. And I believed in Santa Claus once too. Like, <laughs> Sorry, sorry. I know Alex Rude still does. My, Alex is kidding. <laughs> Anna does exist. I was joking. Um, and right. don't worry, don't worry, Alex. We are going to have uh, another uh, another separate show with uh, Zoe. Zoe, apparently, all the trains just shut down in Chicago, or all they just took away uh, trains uh, for Zoe coming back from his office. So we'll have Zoe on later on another stream tonight talking about the Sox. Uh, but I was scrolling up here and looking at an earlier comment uh, from Dan Fisher, uh, and again listening to the podcast we do stream every thursday night you come come join us come join us in the chat uh dan fisher i think this i think this is like just the reason why we're not going to see i mean especially for chris bryant and i think it's why chris bryant is still with the cubs uh dan fisher says um is, i don't think the cubs will get the trade value for bryant in a trade like I, th- I think that's just what it boils down to and like you said like are you you're 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 going to be underwhelmed with what teams are going to be offering. And it's like, well, worst case scenario, we'll extend the qualifying offer. He probably isn't going to accept that. And if he goes somewhere else, well, we get that comp pick. Um, and I think that's that's been the case for a few years. Um, where I mean, Chris Bryant's been in trade rumors since like the end of 2018. I feel like, and 
every every time that it's like, well, is something going to get done? We've we've heard the same things from the national guys and like even some of the local guys. It's like that they're just not going to get the value for. Them. Um, in terms of other guys, I still think that they can trade a couple of relievers, and you know, if someone's going to offer you a top one hundred prospect for Craig Kimbrell, I think you kind of have to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, Those are the guys that are more inclined to be going. Yeah, I mean, Andrew Chafin. Love, I was love Andrew say, Chafin. I said this. Did, uh, I think I was actually telling Alex Rude and, and some of those other Sox fan guys. If if you're talking about trade rumors and you're reporting on the Cubs and you're not saying Andrew Chafin's name, you're missing out on something that's actually closer to happening than any of the other big three. Bullpen arms, shortened contracts. Those guys are money, and everybody's looking for arms. Yeah. And we're willing to pay. And, and those arms shouldn't cost as much either. I, I, you know, as much as I love him and I want to party and drink beer with him so bad, <laughs> he's not going to cost you. He could, he should cost you a mid or mid-level prospect or two. You know, he's, that's, that's a guy. It was like, a, it was kind of a rental for the Cubs in a weird way. That's painting out it's like the Pittsburgh Pirates entire roster. Those are all guys <laughs> that were signed just to be trade bait. And if one of them actually pans out, let's do it. So you know, if you if you're if you're reading a, a Cubs trade reports and it doesn't have Chavin, and I mean, I think you're probably that that person's not doing as much research as they should because he's he should be probably number two on that list to be honest. Yeah, and then Tapera, I think he came back from the uh, the injured list uh, right last weekend, and if you can get anything for him too, like those, it's those three guys. You know, if you can get something from Kimbrel, uh, Chafin, Tapera, and even like I think we talked about Wink, uh, Winkler, and he <laughs> he's been struggling lately too, though. Um, but I mean, if he, if he gets it going these next few weeks, try to get something for him too. Um, in terms of the other guys, though, like for Baez, like Alex, you know, points out, yeah, he has to keep it going, or you know, you can get a what did Alex say here on Baez. You also need Javier to pick it up so he doesn't end up taking one year prove it deal that doesn't net a draft pick. That's true. So, like best case scenario right now is Javier Baez like goes on a tear. Either his trade value goes up, you get something done at the trade deadline, or you know, he plays himself out of that like him needing to accept uh, the qualifying offer uh, for Rizzo. Rizzo's a tough case because his, I mean, we talked about guys declining numbers. His just like, I brought it up uh, briefly last week, how his numbers right now, they're just kind of just average. Mm-hmm. And sadly, they're kind of, when you look at them, it's like, I mean, yeah, you can kind of just replace that. So that not a great sign. And also again, bring it up again, aging guy with back problems. <laughs> That's not the greatest combo for Rizzo. <laughs> No, yeah, and that's and and his is, and you hate to, again. I think remember Brian Urlacher towards the end of his career, and and the Bears let him walk. Yeah, I remember his good. last. Yeah, yeah. You don't pay for a guy for what he's done. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you do in a little bit when it comes to optics and like you know, like you know, that you know, public public persona stuff. Sure, but you don't pay a guy for what he hasn't done yet. You're paying him for what are you paying for what he's going to do, not for what he's done. And as amazing things as Anthony Rizzo has, if there's a question mark of whether or not he's healthy enough to continue what he's been doing, which is a question mark, you know, is that, is this the peak? Do you want to, you know, does this, is this a, is this a swan song kind of contract? Does he deserve a little bit much, a little bit more than what he should get? Yeah, I think so. Because of he took a pay cut for the Cubs through the, you know, his last contract was way below market yeah. and, and, and he deserves, you know, to be, have it made up. You know, this is the thing, this, this is the stuff that really is frustrating with, with, how the Ricketts run the Cubs in general, whether it's, you know, it's Rizzo taking a pay cut, you know, Hey Bo, don't worry about it. We'll make it up to you on the last one. KB, don't worry about the service time, man. We'll make it up to you on your extension. 
And now we're here at those moments where these 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 insinuations of being it made up to you are it's time to it's time to it's time to pay the pardon my language, pay the fiddler. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's time to pay up. Nope. Not gonna follow through with the uh what you what you have basically made these guys think at the time, so they kept them calm. And now it's the time to actually, you know, put your money where your mouth is. And it doesn't look like they're going to do it. So that's why I think Rizzo could get more. And it's fine by getting more, a little bit more, not a lot more. Like, I'm not talking about, you know, loading up for another 10 million for him. But he should have some, a little bit, he should get a little bit more than his value as a respect factor for what he did to save the Cubs money when they were hogtied to a terrible Jason Hayward. Like, what, what, would they, what, what would that look like right now? Because in the offseason, the numbers were like, they offered him five for 70, I think. Was mm-hmm. like their last one before he's like, well, I'm not going to negotiate anymore. I think it was five for seventy. Like, would you do? Would you do five? Would you offer five for seventy right now? And that's fourteen a year. I mean, I think that he's kick. He probably would be kicking himself for not taking it then. And then he would and play the rest of the season, not worried about any of this bull crap. And it is crazy because I was. I mean, you. I was part of it. Too. I was like, pay this fucking guy. But man, the numbers. I, he's still hitting the ball hard, but like, good. The slugging's down. The air, I mean, you talk about bias and the low batting average. Mm-hmm. Rizzo is not that far behind. <laughs> no, and that's, that's it's so painful to see because he is such a great dude. Vaccines aside, he is such a great dude. Like what he does for the community and and with with children with cancer and his story is great. And you know what he did for the for the teenagers at uh, at his high school in Florida, down in Florida yeah. after yeah at Stoneman right. Um, Marjor- mm-hmm. Stoneman. He, uh, you know, especially after that tragedy and stuff. And that that's, that is not calculated. You can't calculate that in a dollar sign. And, you know, if you're doing it for optics and you're paying for PR points, it's worth a few bucks. PR points are worth bucks. That's, you can't buy good publicity. Can't buy it at all. So he gives you that in that sense. Um, but man, I just, uh, it's, it's, it's such a hard, I mean, I could sit here and say that you could throw KB at first base and, and be done with it. <laughs> And right. save, yourself, save yourself some money. Um, but that would be me being very biased, of course. But I think that it's, I think that that's a really, t- I mean, a first baseman, it's, I mean, I mean, they don't all have to be gold gloves. We're spoiled with gold glove first baseman in Chicago with the Cubs, at least. And they don't have to be that. That's usually where you put your big galoot that just swings it in the National League. And plenty of can, can handle it. Your first baseman has to be one of your main power sources. And since the start, and again, I'm not one of these guys who like, oh, 2020, look at these numbers. This is the guy he is or wasn't. But now it's extended into 2021. And it's not just the numbers, obviously it's the health. And it's like, ugh. And like, I, you brought up the Brian Erlacher comparison. I, I mean, Brian Erlacher, obviously nobody wanted him at the end and get to retire. Um you know, Riz is still going to be, I think he's going to be in his age 32 season uh, when he signs, wherever he signs in the off season. Um, so, I mean, he's still, he'll still have like a couple of years, uh, like hopefully for him, maybe it's not going to be the 900 OPS guy, but you know, you, you probably, he probably has like maybe a little bit of a bounce back, but I think the more apt comparison that the Cubs did this year, that's just fucking infuriating that <laughs> to Erlacher was like bringing back Arietta. It's like, hey, let's bring because that guy is the guy who's just done. There's like, your cautionary tale right there. It's yeah. Jake Arrieta is the Anthony Rizzo of today. Anthony Rizzo is the Jake Arrieta of Brian Erlacher's. Uh, <laughs> it's the best way to put it. it, it it's it's a warning sign. Yeah, because that's well, Arrieta's no Anthony Rizzo either, though. Right, right. But you're uh, your fitness guru, then drink your. But, what, I mean, what hurts more is just like I'd be fine. Like, yeah, bring back Rizzo, but like if ah, if he's not gonna be. If, 
what sucks in all these discussions that we had, and like, you know, I was talking about what I was arguing with uh, with uh, with Lil Yumper last week about you know the whole like Bryant Baez or like Bryant Baez Rizzo and just what are they going to do with these guys? Like, it's just it's so frustrating because you can't even get like too deep into this into that whole discussion. Who are you going to bring back? Because uh, what I brought up later in like the back and forth was, well, what what are they going to do with the rest of the roster? Or like, what what is free agency going to look like? Right. Uh, you know, are they going to be aggressive? If you bring back Chris Bryant, love it, great, I love it. But honestly, I don't I don't want to only see Chris Bryant and then just. I love the young guys, but they're still a couple years away. Well, and you know what it reminds me, and this is where you're so leery, and this is what sucks about the Ricketts. Yeah, <laughs> it feels like every single season since before Bryce Harper's free agency, that's been uh, kicking the can down the road. That hey, broke my spirit so much. <laughs> don't be so excited, Cup fans. Don't be so upset. We're we'll have them. We're gonna just we're saving some money now because we're gonna make a run at these big free agents. They couldn't even. They didn't put money out for a freaking bullpen. Daniel Descalso, that's who they put every up on. Every year, it's like kick the can, kick the can, kick the can, kick the can. So if they tell me that they're going to spend this offseason and it's a retool, not a rebuild, and everything that they do in their actions tells us that it's a rebuild, they're gaslighting the hell out of us is what they're doing. They're telling us what they what we want to hear, which is we want to hear that it's not a rebuild, but they're not doing it. I mean, if this is not a retool, I mean, I, I don't know. Again, we've talked about it enough. We're a billion dollar t- team worth $3.6 billion should never have to sell a player. You know what I read? This had, and like obviously there's gonna be added money because of you know guys in arbitration and like guys on their like minor league options. The Cubs only have money committed to three guys next year. It's like Jason Hayward, Kyle Hendricks, and David Bodie. That's it. Those are only only three like guaranteed money that and it's like forty million dollars. Yeah. Like there is no reason why Jed Hoyer can't go out there and be like KB coming back, we're giving you like five, six, seven years, come back. Uh, there should be no reason to be like, all right, who are we picking at shortstop? Bam, five-year deal. You know, figure, like, uh, this is probably a fantasy. I mean, maybe not, because he's having his career year. Mm-hmm. And I know, like, it's annoying. Yeah, I do agree with you. It's annoying, like, the love that he gets, because he's and with a fucking division rival. Nicholas Cassianos could opt out. Yep. Oh, that's another one where it's like the, the DH. The DH is coming to the NL. Like it's coming. I, I don't care if he's terrible in the offense. Just stick him at DH eventually. Yep. That could be a fantasy land signing. There's no reason why these things can't happen. But again, will they? The, the fucking past three years, they haven't done anything. It's just so frustrating because it's like, yeah, I, I want Chris Bryant back, but at the same time, if Chris Bryant's back and that, that's it, like, and like, also we have to we have to look at the starting rotation. Well, here's the part. <laughs> Think about this, and this is the, this is stuff that nobody's really talking about as as at least as often. All these other people, Ryan Castellanos, any potential free agent, whether it's Corey Seager, whether it's Trevor Story, whether it's anybody that could be signed to a longer team, maybe a younger guy, especially that could be signed to a longer team. You know, that might have another deal at the end of their deal, like yeah. coming. They're watching how the Cubs treat Chris Bryant, their MVP, the guy that's been their best player for the last six seven years in the final moment where it's finally their opportunity for them to, to take care of their own, who's not at the tail end of his career, but actually is in the peak of his career right now. Yeah. And they're watching how they're treated. Why, why would I want, if I'm Ryan Castellanos, why would I want to go to a place that's showing no loyalty to someone that's been a cub for life, let alone someone that he, you know, he's come from multiple organizations. I don't trust the cubs. And I think that free agents can look at this and go, I don't know if I want to deal with an ownership group that, that has, the, has this reputation in the undercurrents of bullshitting you. 
which they've done time and time again, or that uses their media mouthpieces to tear down your value so that fans can accept if they were to trade you. And this has happened over and over again. Crane Kenny's obviously working in the, in the shadows a lot. You could tell it's his fingerprints everywhere. And this is a hard part for like a Ryan. If I'm Ryan Castellanos, I'm like, eh. I don't know about there, but Hey, what about the Dodgers? They sure do take care of their own. You know, they're, you know, th- what about the, you know, the teams that take care of their own. And that's where this is a really tough situation is, you know, again, look at the free agents. They're going to look at the Cubs too. It's not just, they're, they're not just selling money. I mean, obviously money talks, right? In, mm-hmm. in the end. It, it is money, but don't think that they're not going to raise the price. Going, well, I don't trust you bastards. So I was going to take, I was going to take this, but we're going to help. We'll call it a convenience fee. Uh, I don't trust our neck. I keep to uh, Ryan's his brother. Sorry. Ryan Castell and Ryan Castellanos is a kid that played at Silverado. Sorry. My bad. Um, Oh, uh, really, good, really good third baseman actually drafted actually i'm not sure what what team drafted him. he was actually a all-stater uh in 2000 i think 2001 anyway i'm sorry okay, okay. <laughs> um but nick has his brother it's really funny that nick's brother's name is ryan too but um i actually follow his brother on twitter i think but nick he's looking at this these free agents are watching it's not just it's it, it, it's a fee it's a convenience fee I, it's a non i don't trust your owner's fee it's going to be probably five to ten percent higher than it normally would be because you might tell me yeah we'll make it up to you at the end buddy and then you know that it's bullshit because you didn't make it up to Rizzo. You didn't make it up to KB when your service timed him. You didn't make it up to Javi. You're not making it up to anybody. You're just paying Jason Hayward because you have no choice. Because <laughs> that's locked. And mm-hmm. you know, that's that that one right there is the killer is for for the, the Cubs are not doing a great job of wooing other free agents to want to be a part of something, whether it's the 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 clubhouse you know, disharmony right now. Oh, just all that stuff. It's it's not a bad. It's not a good look. It's bad for optics, but it's also bad for selling you as a destination. That's 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 really making it difficult. Yeah. And and a lot of these players. Hey, look, what is the reputation of guys like Wilson Contreras outside of the Cubs clubhouse? What do other players think about those guys? And I think mm-hmm. those are the things that are really telling when it comes to do these guys want to join this clubhouse or that clubhouse? What do they think about these guys? Which guys in your clubhouse would sell your franchise to free agents best? And that has to be taken into consideration just as much as talent and just as much as all the other signability stuff. I think that that's huge because who wants to play for a jackass? No one wants to play for a jerk. I'm not saying Willie is that, but I'm just saying like if one guy's got a reputation of being a terrible teammate, why would I want to go join that locker room when I can go to this place where, I don't know, Justin Turner's considered to be like the coolest dude ever. And he was on Game of Thrones because it, it, it was basically killing the jack- oh, no, sorry. Sorry, that was not, he wasn't on Game of Thrones, but he looks like Speak, Kevin, speaking of Game of Thrones, and like, unless the Cubs go on like some incredible run here in July, th- like, doesn't this Cubs run just remind you exactly of Game of Thrones? Fucking great. Like, first, like, you know, four seasons, and then, you know, you, you get through the Red Wedding was just so good. You know, yeah, the Battle of the Bastards, and then, you know, you get Jon Snow. Spoiler alert, dies, comes back. And then after that, you're like, all right, you you hope you, you still keep watching. You're like, you know, still a fan of this. You know, things some weird things start happening. It's like, wait, this isn't really that exciting anymore. The writing's weird. You keep watching though, because you're like, no, like this was good. So it's it's it has to be good again. Like it's going right. to get good again. And then we get to season seven, and then there's in, and it's like, oh my god, this is fucking awful. And the worst part is Cub fans are exactly like Game of Thrones fans. Yeah. Watch it because you have no damn choice. Yeah. And all you're going to do is just bitch and moan on social media about how it ended, but you're still watching it. Yeah, but at the same time, but like right before, you're like, wait, no, it's the final episode. Like maybe something happens here. And then <laughs> and then it comes here. And then and that's basically like she this burns season. the whole kingdom? What the f- <laughs> Tom got on the dragon? What are you doing, Tom? Oh, my dragon. God. 
And yes, uh, another another comment from uh, Humberto Trujillo from uh, Trujillo on uh, Facebook. KB isn't going anywhere. And yeah, I mean, I agree. Probably not. (laughs) And it's just like it goes back to the Valley thing. And again, this goes back to uh, when KB's been trade rumors in the past year. It's like the Cubs know what they have. They're not showing it because they haven't extended him yet. But like they obviously know that Chris Bryant is worth, uh, you know, a set number of, you know, top tier or maybe not top tier, but whatever it is that teams just aren't going to be willing anymore because like, as much as we look around the league, like, you know, top prospects, like they're really not traded as much anymore. It's like, it's not 2016 anymore. It's not 2017 anymore. We had that anniversary a few days ago. Um, you don't really see those big blockbuster trades that involve like, you know, top, top three prospects and guys uh, and teams organizations, by the way, as a teaser for uh, the Sox stream, they're going to do uh, in a little bit. Sox made a trade for a catcher uh, with the Tampa Bay Rays. Got Mark Topkin, who uh, covers the Rays down Tampa. Rays traded much-traveled catcher Devi Grulon. Grulon? I'm not sure if that's uh, Spanish or not. Who was with their AAA team uh, for cash considerations. So there you go. We'll have... We'll have that with Zo. I'm going to test Zo with that name and see if he gets that right. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. the detail, man. But uh, any any last thoughts here as we you know start the unofficial second half? Cubs or sellers? But you know, latest word. Maybe maybe the big three don't go. I th- I think the biggest. I mean, I I do want to address it just for a second. You know, um, the uh, the Wilson Contreras stuff. Uh, no, yeah, actually, that's yeah. Just do just. You know, um, yeah, I, we, we talk about professionalism. I mean, we've talked about it a million times with, you know, players. Obviously, everyone's got their own preferences. I prefer one type of player. You might prefer another type of player. You and I have had our disagreements on style since mm-hmm. we've known each other, even back, you know, early on in the bat flip era. Like, how, how a bat, what is a bat flip? Is it okay? When is it okay? Like, all the, mm-hmm. the unreal stuff. We've, you know, that's that. But, you know, everyone has their preference for a type of player. And I just think that for a clubhouse, that's commiserate with success. Um, you know, and I think what Willie did, you know, coming out and saying that everybody basically, nobody else is hustling except for him and Javi. Um, a is, is, is a great way to send a giant spike and drill right through the entire clubhouse. Um, especially doing it publicly. Look, if you're in the clubhouse and you let things rip, it's a clubhouse for a reason. It's a, it's, it's a club, it's a club, which means it's exclusive, which means everybody in that club is able to take it and they keep it in the club. Lose your shit all you want in the clubhouse. Go for it, man. Let her rip. Get in someone's face. Throw someone against the locker. I don't give a guy. Go for it, bro. Like, but doing it to the media is is the least productive because it doesn't fix anything in the clubhouse. Do you think a guy is going to be more inclined to change their game because you spoke to a bunch of reporters at your in, in your private time with reporters? Is that really going to motivate? You're not the head coach. Okay, when a head coach does it, the head coaches, you're usually doing it as a constructed pre-planned, you know, motivational tool players doing it to the media is, you know, as a media member, you know, in the past myself as well, those were awkward moments for everybody because you're like, and then when you go in the clubhouse, you just basically told the world that you two are the only ones in here busting your ass. And, you know, if a really good reporter was there, I would have loved for them to ask this question to, to Wilson. Hey, Wilson. So you're saying that you two are the hardest workers in this clubhouse. Who's the first person that arrives at the ballpark every day? Which player arrives first every day to get their work in? Which player arrives second? Now, can you tell me one and two? Because if you can't tell me one and two, it ain't you 
and you're not the one showing up early, getting the extra work in just because you're not, run, they're not running around the field, showing their ass a little bit and, and playing and doing the, the other stuff. You know, some guys play wild and like, look at my body, look at me, everyone stare at me and I'm waving my arms and throwing bats up and showing more body language. And some guys are poker, you know, there's all types of players, poker player, you know, Daniel Negreanu is not the same as, as, as in Phil Ivy. Everyone has mm-hmm. personality. And to think that one guy's not hustling because he's not dancing around and, and, you know, flinging his, you know, doing whatever it's a, it's a total meatball comparison because the guys that are quiet are working just as hard more than likely. It's the guys that aren't hustling. And I'm sorry, but Wilson, I, I don't know how many times I've gotten like messages like really Wilson, that's, that's you got of the box on a ground ball, a second or a ground ball, a short, not even, you know, taking two steps out and walking back. Look, like, Oh, he's just, you know, he's a catcher. He's just resting his legs. Okay. But if that guy drops the ball, is he really still resting his legs? And so I've seen Wilson not hustle. And there's been obviously accusations in the past of him and Javi and some other guys, according to Javi, not showing up ready to work, not getting loose to the fourth inning, showing up late, not going to meetings. They've admitted this in the past. So now you're saying that you're the only two that hustle, but in the past, it's been admitted that you're the ones that aren't doing this. It's, it's, it really puts, I, I hate it. It puts Javi in a bad spot, to be honest. Um, and, and as critical I've been as, as Javi, Javi didn't bring that upon himself. Wilson did. You know, Javi didn't say shit. Javi has never, ever said, I'm the only one, or me and Javi are the only Javi said us, and I guess I can give Javi more credit. He said us, and it basically meant the whole clubhouse, whereas when you actually name names. And so, you know, David Ross, I know David Ross got him the, uh, on the – I really would love to have known what happened in that clubhouse. Um, I know there were dudes that were not happy, and it's there are a lot of dudes in that, that clubhouse that would, you know, handle it in the clubhouse, and we'll never know how it was handled in the clubhouse, but someone broke a TV, a monitor. Yeah, I saw well, that yeah. the next day. I'll, I'll um, get to that one. We'll figure out who that one is later. We'll do some fingerprinting. <laughs> You'll look at the swing path in that one. Uh, you know, the two things that when I saw it, because uh, it was the, uh, I mean, I'll admit, I didn't watch the Saturday game, but apparently it was, I mean, they lost 6 nothing. It was a pretty lifeless effort from, uh, you know, the score um, coming after their win on on Friday. Um, two things that I, I was right there with you. I, I never like, uh, even with, even sometimes with managers, uh, I mean, I, I, you just said, you know, they can be a motivational tool. Like, yeah, it could. But like, you know, earlier in the season, like when the, when I thought Larusa threw uh, like Mercedes under the bus, you know, I didn't agree with that. Like, obviously, whatever uh, Mercedes had his own struggles, just uh, you know, adjusting to the league. Um, but uh, I, I mean, I had the same feelings as you. Like, that was just like, like, what are you doing? Like, can't be doing this like right to the media. Um, bad luck, and again, uh, you know, coming from a guy who like in the past, I mean, like, yeah, like I think it was in twenty eighteen. Uh, or following the 2018 season, like in 2019, he said, you know, like in 2018, I, I, I wasn't like putting all the effort in. Uh, that being said, though, bad form, definitely, I definitely uh, with you, bad form. But at the same time, it doesn't necessarily necessarily mean that he's wrong. Oh, and the and hit lumping in buys with him, like buys is probably like, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> like, or, or who knows? But like, buys probably like, hey, like. <laughs> Don't let me in with like you just calling out the entire clubhouse here, buddy. Um, but like, just because he said that and just because he was wrong, like saying it through the media, doesn't necessarily that doesn't necessarily mean that he was wrong. Uh, I know Ian Happ, uh, I forget it was on Thursday or Wednesday, he was on six iron to score. And he said, you know, maybe uh, the wording was some of the wording was lost through translation, like he didn't mean to say effort. Whatever the case was, you know, they've obviously talked about it in the clubhouse since then. Uh-huh. 
right now it doesn't seem like I don't know if you've heard anything. It doesn't seem like it. Maybe there is. Maybe I don't think there's like a giant rift right now. But here's the thing: Why is this happening? Because they're fucking losing. They're, not a lot. Not a lot of things are going to look great when you're losing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the one thing too is look. And I'm going to say this: I I don't think KB like the only person that I could I can probably speak with, KB didn't. They it was like, oops, that was probably a bad thing to say. Like that's though that was the risk. Like oh, that's not good. Like, but I don't think he took it as personal. I don't. There, I, I feel like this is a weird thing too because what's been happening. This is really you know we'll jump back to Rizzo in this sense. The one person that you haven't really heard from has been Anthony Rizzo. So now all of a sudden, when you see like again, every single player has because their all fan base that, that just and that's the door like unconditionally. Yeah. And now Rizzo is becoming the evil bad guy that the clubhouse cancer. Like, wait, hold on a second. Uh, the, you're, the, the captain is the problem here, and that because it's he's the one that hasn't spoken yet. Like, how is silence? And, and like, and the thing with like that. And now, you, and now you even think with Riz, like not respond or like we haven't heard uh, anything from him through the media since. But it was like the whole like Contreras, like you know, like I, I do view myself as a captain now. Like that is a direct, like everyone thinks of this guy as the captain. Like no, like no, I view myself as a captain too, or you know, as well, or as the captain, whatever it is. But uh, I mean, uh, we got here the comment from uh, Nathan uh, uh, from YouTube. Like Pizza didn't seem Keiko because I thought about it too right after it happened. Dallas Keiko last year, like three weeks into the season, was like, "Oh, these guys are just going through the motions." <laughs> like mm-hmm. the Sox, the Sox were playing in Detroit. I think they were. I think it was like, like two and a half weeks, three weeks into the season. And obviously, like it was early enough in the year where like it didn't become a big thing. But like, why did they not become a big deal? They started to win. Like, uh-huh. like yeah, when, it when didn't really matter. Right. Yeah, like everyone, everyone's great when you're running hot. Actually, right. I think we've talked about this on the podcast. Is the Cubs struggle? Really pay attention to who starts acting like a kind of like a baby in, as, as they struggle. And this was the first crack, I think, a little bit in the in this. And we've seen Wilson again struggle when he's struggling. He's not the same Wilson as when he's running hot. And those are red flags when it comes to players being able to lose properly and struggle properly. Good, great players struggle well. Great players take that in stride and figure out solutions. Um, and so I don't blame, you know, again, I think that it was just the heat of the moment. I think that it's rock bottom. He's having a terrible season up you know compared to his expectations i mean it's for, uh, most of the guys are having not great seasons but you're not seeing other guys say those things and when they when again when you say that out in public it creates more drama that you don't need in the clubhouse it was unneeded at this point yeah. and i don't know what he was trying to accomplish by it but he also could have been caught at the wrong time with the wrong reporter you know and and i you know he doesn't seem to be very apologetic about it cuz now he's like tweeting freaking oh uh, i i hate the whole the his astrology signs and yeah, stuff. Yeah, like and like he's not the only one who does because like I mean we saw like right after Adam Eaton uh was DFA'd, we saw like I think it was Brian Goodwin who like tweeted out like we're gonna party and it's like well this was weird timing, but that could mean in literally anything. Right. <laughs> but right. but it was like everyone made the connection, like, oh, is this about Eaton leaving? Like uh and the one thing you have to say about like maybe Contreras had again, I think it was bad form doing that in the media. Back in 2019, I think that was the same time when Baez was like, yeah, I don't always prepare where I think Cole Hamels near the end of the year in September, he was also like, yeah, some of these guys just, you know, aren't really like, <laughs> and he didn't call out anybody out specifically. Like he did the whole, like, you know, I think he said, hey, we want the general terms of like, you know, some of these guys or like the, the I think he said like the team, yeah. like, you know, I've, cause he I didn't think, call out anybody. Like he just, yeah, he kept, like, it was like a unit. And it was like, because I think that year, you know, Cubs had like a, a lot of air, a lot of base running mistakes. Um, but yeah, like, so like, it's it sucks that Wilson Contreras did that, but also at the same time, 
maybe for a couple of guys it was. And, and who knows? That, that doesn't mean like it's like your favorite player, that guy's favorite player. Yeah. Who the hell knows? There's there's a whole bunch of different guys in the clubhouse now that yeah. haven't been on like a winning team. So who knows? Um, and, and really, too, with this, too, think about it this way. Like you have a guy like, you know, that, that says something like this. And again, you, you don't want to like throw a guy under the bus at the same time. What about like the Ian Hap? What about these? You know, people don't understand. And again, the, 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 I guess the point I'm trying to make is, you know, Wilson apparently equates hustle to what you're doing on the field only during games. Now, he didn't he did not criticize anybody's showing up on time, taking their extra batting practice, working with hitting instructors, going to the weight room, working on their bodies, eating healthy, you know, not partying the night before and showing up to a day game, things that have happened in the Cubs history. Ask Mark Grace and Rick Sutcliffe. You know, showing up hungover to a day game, not a rarity. Um, and so being in your, t- you know, I-, I think that we always equate just the on-field product with how hard someone's working. But someone that spends hours in the cage every day, hitting off the, t- t- you know, Tony Gwynn, you didn't see the work that Tony Gwynn put in because he was doing it after hours. And people don't see that. And so I hate that people equate hustle with only and hard work with because they're not, you know, flipping their helmet off and diving into a bag and hugging it and spraying dirt everywhere. Like some guys slide on their butt perfectly and just get up and they hit a home run sometimes and they set the bat down and they run around the bases with their head down. It doesn't mean they're not hustling. It doesn't mean they don't care. It just means that there's their style. And so I think that that's a, such a, we, we, everyone equates and puts their style on everybody. So Chris Bryant's not Javi Baez. Javi Baez is a Wilson Contreras. Wilson Contreras is an Anthony Rizzo, et cetera, et cetera. And that's, that's also a real, it's bad. It's bad for stigma too. I just, I, I hope kids don't realize that running around and acting like a, like a, like, a, like your hair's on fire is the only way to show that you're hustling. It isn't right. The job showing up to work every day on time, being prepared that shows you're working. And that's something that people we don't see as much because everyone looks at the top of the iceberg. They don't see how much of the iceberg is actually underwater. And that's a, it's a big part of it. So um, real quick, can I, can I, can I mention the Joe Buck thing and the, uh, go, go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. I want to read something that was, I was told to read. So I'm, I'm, I'm reading this. Uh, yeah. I was on Waddle and Sylvie today and it was talk. I was more talking about Mike Bryant was criticized by the uh, Waddle and Sylvie show uh, for being, you know, uh, uh, Evan Altman, who's been on our show called him asked him a question about what he thought about Joe Buck's comments. And Mike isn't going to shy away from commenting. He didn't call Evan Altman. Altman. Evan called him. Just like I, you know, if I needed to talk to Mike about something, I'd call him. And if I'm telling him I'm going to quote you, I'm going to quote you. Can I quote you? Of course you can. Like he's, he's, he's an open book. He's, he's one of the most forwardly honest um, mm-hmm. and, and, and uh, open person that I know. He's, he, he's, yes, he gets excited. He does. He's pumped, man. He's, I mean, you think I'm hyperactive. I mean, I was kind of funny when I was on Waddle and Sylvie, people were like, get the Adderall away from this guy. I'm like, you have no if, idea. If you guys listening right now or in the chat, if you guys want to go back to that Twitch, the Twitch stream for a uh, Waddle and Sylvie, we got some good, good old Zig. I, Kevin, you have to admit they're pretty funny. Oh yeah, it was great. <laughs> I, it just, he got misconstrued. I wasn't worried so much about the yeah. comments by Joe Buck. Joe Buck, I thought could have asked a better question. He could have asked KB about a million things. And maybe I was a little bit too deep thinking that he could talk about the CBA maybe too much out in left field, but how are you doing, Chris? What's, what's, what, what's the swing adjustments you've made this year that have, you know, from last year, what, you know, what, what, what is the difficulties of playing multiple positions? How do you, you know, they didn't, they asked him the question about, you know, him being a trade bait and which he's been asking and answering for three and a half years constantly without like without rest. And even like, even the morning, uh, you know, all the red carpet stuff. Hey, Chris, that's great. Oh, Kyler, his, his little, little handsome man with his, his shoes are so cute. So are you getting traded? Every time. And so Mike, Mike obviously gave his candid comment and it was, 
obviously he, he's like, I think Joe owes him an apology. Joe kind of blindsided him. Now we don't know what was told to KB, what he was supposed to expect. I don't even know this yet. I, sh- I obviously should find out and I'll find out what was he told before the interview. Like, cause sometimes they're like, yeah, we're going to talk to you about like your swing. And then they go, why were you hanging out with Trevor Bauer? Like, it's like, what the <laughs> hell? Huh? Huh? So um, that's a big thing. But the big conversation was about Mike. Basically, and I'll quote, Sylvie said, Mike needs to mind his own damn business. This is now someone that has had Mike on his show, wanting him to shut up and mind his own business. So that was where I took, I, I took issue with it. Um, and uh, that, um, that kind of, you know, whatever. So I went on there and kind of talked about that. And Sylvie kind of like took it over to the Joe Buck comment. But the loaded question was the question was, how do you feel about what he asked Chris? And Mike gave his candid response. That's the loaded question. And so Mike's frustrated. So I'm going to go ahead and read this. And I, I apologize. For the language, dad, mom, sister, everyone else is listening. Um, but Mike says two words to all the people who call me a helicopter dad. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I spend hours upon hours in the offseason every effing day helping my kid prepare for the season. I spend hours on the phone and texting him swing thoughts and analysis through video and supporting him 100% through the season. I don't just watch him play. I live and breathe every moment, every pitch, every inning right alongside him. The good and the bad. I paid the effing freight to get where he is today. I earned the right to call out asshole clowns questions when I see one. So suck it. You can print that if you have the balls to. And that's <laughs> that's Mike and that's Mike in a nutshell. And he's not like again, he you know, you take the language out of it. It's right, man. People don't understand. There are dads that are non-athletic that were so glad that their kids somehow sprouted into being a great ball player. There are also guys like Ron Harper, like a Tony Gallo, like a Rick Giolito. These are guys that know the game and are deeper in the game than just casual dads. Mike played professional baseball with the, you know, he played with the Boston Red Sox organization. He, he learned from Ted Williams. And these are, it's not just, you know, to mind his business, Chris is his business. You know, Chris, in the offseason, Mike's job is to train Chris. So would you say that a trainer has no business talking about Chris's health? Um, if someone's asks him about Chris's health, the guy that he works out with in the off season, that's Chris's, that is his job. So he should be able to respond. You know, I'm, I'm a stupid boneheaded meatball high school coach, man. I'm, am I allowed to talk about Chris? I'm biased. Hell yeah, I am. And, and am I allowed to do it? Should I shut up or should, I mean, am I allowed to have an opinion because I'm not a member of the Chicago corporate media? Um, you know, I, it just, it, that's where I, and so that was, you know, Mike's upset and I take everything that he says with a grain of salt, obviously in that sense, when it comes, cause he's very passionate, he is extremely passionate. Um, he's the guy that would probably get kicked out of like a, a charity game because he's, you know, <laughs> he's just, just in it, man. And he's a, he's, he's a ball. Are you, are you saying, uh, Mike's a little lucky. There weren't uh, a lot of camera phones back in, uh, KB's, uh, uh, T ball games. I would say probably, especially the club <laughs> ball stuff. There's some, there's some, there's some stories, um, <laughs> and it's never from a bad place though. And that's the thing is the, the, uh, was, the hate that he gets. It's the, the stuff that people said. I mean, I saw on the oh, god dang, I just was a pro, I feel I feel cyber bullied, man. Um, I was gonna say I was on the show, man. Someone's like, stay off the Adderall. <laughs> is this say Kevin Hitler is his name? Is it Kevin Hitler? <laughs> I mean, my God, get this guy off. This guy likes to hear himself talk. Well, yeah, that's probably true. I wouldn't be on a podcast if I hated my voice. So, I mean, I'm okay. Sorry about that. I was going to say, I think this is another case where, uh, you know, I don't, like Mike Bryan wants to say, if he can say like whatever he wants. Uh, I don't think he has a, there's anything wrong with that. I, I, I think it's like two different things. Like what, what Mike said, it's like, obviously it's his, it's his son. Like uh, he's going to stick for him. Like no matter what, obviously yeah. he's going to be, and he's been, I'm pretty sure the entire, the family and like, 
anyone uh, you know that has personal relationships, they're probably tired of all the trade talk. I, yeah, like it would be frustrating as hell. You see me on here every time. I'm like, yeah. oh, shit. <laughs> at, at the same time, though, I, it's it's like it's the big story right now. <laughs> like I, so like with Joe Buck, you know, asking it, I didn't really have that big of a problem with it. And like honestly, like we said at the beginning of the show, Chris Bryant came out looking like that fucking even better. Yeah, he did. So that that, that was just that was that was just more good PR for, for Chris Bryant. And Case, like, like yeah, w- w- like we know the way that like Chris Bryant has responded to these questions because like he's asked about him like constantly, like, but like the Chicago media, right? Like maybe like the, not like every baseball fans like ha- is like up to date on what Chris Bryant's saying. Like how even some like Cubs fans are ignorant of like what <laughs> of what Chris Bryant's been saying willfully uh, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I, I really have that big of an issue of like Joe Buck asking him like, hey, I mean, it's it's the big fuck, it's the big story with Chris Bryant yeah. right now and like a lot of the Cubs. But at the same time, if Mike Brandt's like, hey, like, it's a bullshit question, like, yeah, it's his son. He's gonna be he's gonna be defending his kid. And he was asked the question, so he answered it. And and that's the best. The big part is, you ask him the question, you get the response. What the hell is was he gonna say no? Like, no, I'm sorry, I'm gonna keep my mouth shut. And that's in the end, that's where I was probably, you know, that's and, and again. It, you know, I don't have, I don't take issue with, I would have preferred a better question for a different question from Joe, but you know, I, I hate to think that when Chris isn't traded and he goes into this off season, that his all-star interview, his moment to, to get to know the national fans was him talking about something that never happened. Just, <laughs> like you could have talked about something that's real and substance based and maybe take time to learn the game and show the audience. What is a baseball swing? What did Chris do to what explain launch angle to me, Chris? Oh my God, we're teaching the game of baseball now. Jesus, we're at a crisis of people not knowing the game so frequently with a low baseball IQ. What a great opportunity on a national stage to teach. Uh, instead, we're talking about entertain- e-entertainment drama as opposed to the game. Uh-oh. That's, that's where I guess I would have preferred a question. But you know what? I don't ever take, you know, Mike is a, a good dude. He's a stand-up dude. And I'll tell you this, KB is not embarrassed of his father. They like to, if people insinuate <laughs> that KB's embarrassed of his father, No. KB, Mike says everything that KB will never say because KB is, 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 and that's what our job is to do, right? His job is to go out there, play ball, be the class act. We're allowed to grumble as, as the people that care about him. Every time someone that treats him like shit or acts like a dick and says bad things, we're allowed to come at you because guess what? He's family. And yeah, maybe we could probably be, you know, taper it off sometimes, but you know what? Nah, nah. Um, right before F with all of us. The last point I'm going to make on this, and right before we bring in Zoe for some, for, for, uh, some socks talk, um, what was I going to say? I think you brought up, uh, you know, Giolito's dad, you know, he's active on social media, talking with socks fans, just talking about socks and Giolito. But I think the, you know, fa- maybe some fans get taken aback because, like, I think Mike and, you know, Rick, they're one of, they're like, they're kind of an outlier. Like, you don't really see a lot of parents, like, you know, like sharing stuff in the media. Not, I'm not saying it's bad, but it's just like, so you do get that, you know, that vitriol from fans like, oh, what? why is he butting in? Like, And again, like you said, it's not like he's coming from a bad place. <laughs> like, it's his son. He's been obviously a prof- professional baseball player, has been training his kid ever since. Like, he could probably walk. Mm-hmm. Probably even before that, he was crawling. Like, yeah, he. <laughs> this is his life, of course. Of course, he's going to be super involved. Yep. And, and, and uh, what dad does, you know, again – it's just a different, different types of parents, man. The yeah. idea of, we can have a conversation as me as a coach, me as, you know, having, as Alex would say, uh, as a girl's golf coach, <laughs> Alex, <laughs> um, but as a, uh, you know, we deal with helicopter parents, man. And I will, I'll use a girl's golf, you know, example. Then I had a girl's golfer that was a regional qualifier as a freshman. 
And the way she played when her dad was there compared to the way that she played when her dad wasn't there was night and day. And I think it's the opposite for KB. Mike, having dealt with Mike for 17 years, was never a problem. He was never that kind of hell. He was mad at me when I benched Chris, but we hammered it out. I was like, well, here's why. Oh, okay. You know, like, fine. You know, we never had, like, there was never, I think I actually had more, I got into more of it, not even got into it, I guess is a, is a strong word. Shreve's dad. I think I made the guys run because one of the kids got in trouble because he was at a game and he used really foul language in front of uh, uh, people that got back to me. And I made the guys run after a game. And his dad was upset because he's like, we were at the lake all day, coach. You're exhausting. I'm like, did you just tell me that you guys were at the lake before a game? Okay, two more laps. <laughs> I joke about it all the time. Jason's dad. And, and it, but Mike was never uh, like that. Not a problem. So like, again, that helicopter parents is a, that, that is, that is tossed around too flippantly. A helicopter parents makes their kid worse. And you haven't seen that. Chris doesn't climb up when his dad's there. Chris plays better when Mike's there. So helicopter parents are a negative connotation. You know, my dad being in the bleachers every day, he wasn't a baseball stud, but I could hear my dad's voice in the bleachers and I played better when my dad was there. Most guys do. Most players do. Most athletes do. But when they're negative parents and you see their play fall off, that's a helicopter parent. That's trouble. Rebuild of the favorites. We here for the latest. Yeah. South side or the north side. Not tuned to the greatest. Home team for the home teams. Both sides got our own rings. On the mound or the long ball. But we don't put the wrong strings. Yeah. <laughs> it's that time of the year now. Wrigley or Gantee. So the whole league that we hear now. New show with a new mood. Discussions and interviews. Trade rumors that might be. This is Pinwheels and Knife. Yeah. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on a boy, yeah. Every season, make it all change. Take me out to the bar game. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on a boy, yeah. Every season, make it all change. Take me out to the bar game. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on a boy, yeah. Every season, make it all change. Every season, make it all change. Take me out to the ball game.